0: For Arizona Public Media, I’m Mark McLemore. and this is Arizona Spotlight. Coming up. This week, people all across the globe have been vaccinated against the coronavirus. Meet two volunteers who helped to make this possible by participating in clinical trials here in Arizona and also in Russia. Enjoy a short play written by a Robeson Elementary third grader that is dedicated to the most important person in her life. And psychologist Susan Miner returns to share some thoughts about the importance of confidence and coping with the end of a stressful year. Those stories are next on Arizona Spotlight. This week, a massive COVID-19 vaccination campaign has begun in the U.S., which should go a long way toward protecting the nation from a virus that to date has killed more than 300,000 Americans. The role of volunteers in this scientific effort has been pivotal, Next, Tony Paniagua talks with Joey Ortiz, a 28-year-old University of Arizona graduate student who said he felt both a desire and a duty to do his part in helping to overcome the pandemic.
1: Joey, can you please tell me when you heard about the vaccine trial and why you decided to take part?
2: I heard about the vaccine development efforts very early on, and I kept track of them. As more um, studies came out, I had heard about the start of the Phase 3 trials the day that they were announced, and um, I saw that Quality of Life Research Center was a participating trial location here in Tucson. So I filled out their survey, and they informed me I was eligible and I was happy to participate. It was a calculated risk that I took, and I'd do it 100 times over.
1: Speaking of risk, you like that topic. Can you tell us a little bit about that background and how it plays a role in your life?
2: Yeah, I, I study risk abstractly, decision-making, where you don't know what's going to happen, um, and you try to constrain that uncertainty and learn um, as much as you can before you make a decision. And there's always uncertainty that remains, and you still have to decide what to do
1: as you were contemplating the possibility of volunteering for this research project did you discuss your ideas with anybody or did they say anything to you please don't do this or go ahead and do what you like was anything said about yeah. that
2: yeah my you know my family w- was not very enthusiastic about it you know they really hoped that i would receive the placebo whereas i hoped that i would receive the vaccine you know that's understandable i mean if everyone was willing to take an untested vaccine. It would be in a very different world. But somebody has to take these risks. Otherwise, we'll never find out if if a therapeutic or a vaccine works. Yeah, my, my family was very hesitant about my participation. And they're very proud now and relieved that it is safe and effective. But they were not thrilled when before we knew that.
1: And do you know if you received the saline solution or the vaccine itself?
2: Nobody knows for sure. Saline water is very inert. It doesn't cause any side effects. Um, And the vaccine, it's very decently immunogenic. Some people get chills and fever or uh, fatigue or headache, um, which means that it's working that's the immune system response. When I didn't have any sort of reaction, I was a little, a little disappointed for sure. Um, so I, I don't know for sure, and none of the participants do. If I am in the placebo group, I'm happy that I'm serving as a control and contributing to the science in that way.
1: So either way, you did contribute to the science, as, as you just mentioned. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, either way, I'm, I'm part of the science. The placebo group is just as important as the vaccine group. They're useless without each other.
1: Jerry, you mentioned you also had a personal reason as far as your desire to participate. You have family members and you wanted to do something on their behalf. Can you tell us about that, please?
2: Yeah, my family has a lot of older people that... I love like crazy and I want them to one day um, be able to see their family without fear of exchanging respiratory droplets.
1: And Joey, as you know, this week started the mass distribution of vaccines in this country. What is your reaction to that process taking place this week?
2: Yeah, it's, I watched a briefing Operation Warp Speed gave detailing the rollout that we are witnessing. and um, it's incredible to see humanity pull together and um, send these first, these, these first shipments out and get them into the hands of our frontline COVID healthcare workers and our most vulnerable.
1: As you know, Joey, there has been some controversy about wearing masks, and also some people are already saying that they will not participate in any vaccination programs. What would you like to say to those people?
2: Declining a vaccine is, um, in my opinion, a miscalculated decision. On the other hand, the vaccines are so effective against symptomatic disease that someone who can get the vaccine doesn't have to be worried about other people not getting the vaccine. But there is a portion of the population who vaccines don't work or they are allergic to one of the ingredients and they can't get a vaccine. So for those people, we hope that enough people get vaccines that transmission is suppressed enough to keep them safe. I really caution against simple, misleading analysis of uh, the vaccines. Uh, We've done really, really good research on the safety and efficacy of these vaccines and they really hope that everyone makes a carefully calculated decision about their health and employs empathy and compassion when they decide to wear a mask or get a vaccine or get a test or any other uh, measure we have of protecting people.
1: Looking back on 2020 and let's say 10, 20, 30 years from now, do you think you'll look back and feel good about what you did this year? as far as participating in this research project
2: oh yeah they gave me a red tote bag with the um cove study label on it and i'm i'm already planning on how am i going to keep this red you know plastic 2 dollar tote bag around until i'm old because i am i'm really proud of this effort as a physicist it reminds me a little bit of the manhattan project i'm going to be proud of that progress
0: of my life. Joey Ortiz has a master's degree in physics and is working from home on another master's in systems and industrial engineering. Currently, he's self-isolating so that he can remain coronavirus-free and visit his parents in New Mexico for the holidays. Listeners to this show may have noticed a distinctive voice that joined me on air between January and September of this year. Elisa Ivanitskaya a Fulbright scholar from Russia, was finishing grad school at the U of A. During her last semester and summer in the United States, she became Spotlight's assistant producer. No one at that time could have predicted the strange experiences we would have together during the early months of the pandemic. As new friends and coworkers, we included each other in our very small social bubbles. I remember us suiting up in glasses, masks, and gloves to take our first trips to the grocery store, during the days of toilet paper shortages and peak uncertainty. We have stayed in touch since she returned to Moscow at the end of the summer. I was surprised and happy to learn that she was also taking part in a clinical trial for a vaccine. So I asked Elisa to share some of the experience.
3: In Russia how it goes, you just submit an application on the state portal and they call you back and ask you to come to hospital Uh, to get uh, different tests and to sign uh, the consent form. And if you're okay in several days, you are coming to get your first shot and in three weeks, your second. That's it.
0: Did you have any physical reaction after either of the shots?
3: I had muscle pain uh, in the muscle they injected after both shots and uh, a slight fever after the second. Uh, So it was 99.5 Fahrenheit. Um, But that's it. Next morning after the show, that was okay.
0: And how is the distribution going right now? This is the first week that vaccinations are being made available to U.S. citizens. But how is the vaccination process unrolling in Russia?
3: As far as I know, uh, people started getting uh, vaccinated in mass for probably one or two weeks, but these are mostly first responders, uh, so medical professionals. I know a teacher who got uh, her first shot last week, uh, too, so I I believe that people who work in schools, universities, and uh, probably uh, museums like I do uh, also have uh, access to it now, and of course social workers.
0: This may seem a little bit silly, Elisa, but since you and I experienced the first several months of the pandemic together, I feel incredibly proud of you for taking part in this huge life-changing event.
3: Oh, thank you so much.
0: (laughs) Was it a shock to you when you got back to Moscow to see how people were living and reacting to the pandemic? Would you say that it was a great change from the way that you had been living in Tucson?
3: Oh, sure. It was tremendous change because in Tucson... For several uh, months, I had only like five or six people in my bubble, and that was it. And uh, Moscow, uh, people were living normal life. Now, it's less normal, of course, uh, because uh, the numbers are rising. Uh, But... Still, I, I'm like super socially active. Although I'm wearing mask, I'm riding subway. I'm going to supermarket without even uh, thinking of uh, buying all my groceries for the next two weeks or months. I do groceries like twice a day. And people, uh, cafes are open and people are sitting inside. It's really disturbing because sometimes even in the meetings, I'm the only person in, in mask. I mean, small meetings, but
0: still. Alisa, I remember when you applied for the job to work with me on Arizona Spotlight. And at that time, we had no idea of the kind of experience we were going to have between January and August of 2020. When you think back to your time here in Tucson, what are the first memories that come to you?
3: Nature, cactuses, people who have no clothes on them. Almost no clothes, (laughs) I mean. No winter clothes at least. And a lot of sunlight. Yeah, I just see the sunlight, and I really feel so much warmth uh, about Tucson, about Arizona. I feel so grateful and thankful for people who supported me during the pandemic. You know, it sounds weird, but I think I was happier there.
0: (laughs) That's very sweet. Do you have a uh, parting message you'd like to give us in Russian?
3: Uh, which means stay safe, be healthy.
0: Well, same to you. I miss you, my friend. Uh, working on the show has not been the same since you have left.
3: I miss you too, Mark.
0: That was Elisa Ivanetskaya, former assistant producer of this show, who now works at the Polytechnic Museum in Moscow, and one of the bravest people I have ever known. The Tucson nonprofit, Literacy Connects, sponsors a group of artists dedicated to helping young writers in our community explore the power and possibility of bringing their stories to life. It's called Stories That Soar. And next, we'll hear a tale written by Tatiana, a third grader at Robeson Elementary. It's called My Mom and Me.
4: I love my beautiful mom. She volunteers at my school. Mija, come help me for a minute, please. Okay, Mom. She makes my favorite dinner, albondigas. And I love it so much because it shows that she loves me a lot. How does it taste? Perfecto! She folds my clothes for me every weekend. Honey, bring me your backpack. Here you go, Mama. She checks my backpack so if I have homework, she would say, Get "Get dressed in your PJs. And then go to your homework while I finish cooking your dinner. And I say, Okay, Mom. Love you. And she says, I love you too, my beautiful daughter. Thank you, mom, I tell her. Albondigas for you and albondigas para mí. And then, when dinner is ready, I eat and I say, thank you, mom, for the food. I love you, mom. I love you too, sweetie. This is delicioso, ama. I am glad you like it. Your
0: day. The author was Tatiana, a third grader at Robison Elementary and TUSD, produced by the team at Stories That Soar. Interested writers from kindergarten through high school age can submit their stories now to the Magic Box Story Portal at literacyconnects.org, and maybe one day you'll hear it on this show. Susan Miner is an author, professor of psychology, and a therapist. She came to these vocations following a successful career as a model, starting in her teens. Miner was on the covers of the top fashion magazines in the world. But all the while she was a supermodel, she says she was also a super mess. Learning to overcome her negative emotions and set attainable goals for happiness is a story she shares in her book, Peace Inside, Beauty Outside. I first talked with her in September. And as the end of this stressful year approaches, I ask Susan Miner back to talk about how we can better cope with the holidays and the time of a global pandemic.
5: I fluctuate day-to-day, moment-to-moment, between worrying about the division in the world and why the division is being created uh, in the first place, Um, and then having hope that people's eyes are being opened and, and that will come together. And then at the same time, I don't want to live my life uh, in a pessimistic kind of way or in a down way because if I think about what's going on in the world, I can get a little down. So I fluctuate between that and just being really super grateful for what's going on in my life, specifically my daughter who's 13, and I've been homeschooling her, and that was a push that came from quarantines and lockdowns and everything that I decided to homeschool her, and it's been an amazing decision. I love spending time with her, and I think it's the best thing, particularly for her, because of the influence she has, which are um, loving, kind adults, um, as opposed to necessarily um, peers who are well-meaning, but they don't have the emotional intelligence or the ability to really raise other teenagers. So um, that's been a good thing.
0: That's a great point, you know, the idea that when um, young people are together in groups of their peers, they are engaging in some self-parenting there. I never thought of it that way.
5: Self-parenting, and they're asking each other uh, and looking to each other for validation, accolades, advice, all that kind of stuff. And and they're not qualified to give it to one another quite often because they're immature themselves. So, yeah, I'm looking at the silver lining of having her home. And, And... I also think I just hit the lottery with an amazing
0: girl. Particularly in the millennial generation and and even the generation before it, an emphasis on building your confidence and your self-esteem is really kind of woven into a lot of uh, education. And then you get out of school and you don't really have any kind of a... A compass anymore about those things. And you also use the word validation. And that's something that I think about too. Am I too concerned with validation from others when I should be more concerned with validating myself?
5: Validating ourselves is probably the biggest thing in confidence. So if we're going to have a conversation about confidence, we can... um, We can go so many ways, Mark. We could talk all day on this. But first thing is how we validate ourselves or how we encourage ourselves or how we talk to ourselves. Simple, right? Something that we hear all the time, our, our internal chatter or internal dialogue affects how we feel about ourselves. And if you're saying to yourself, you're a fat pig, and believe me, I hear girls say that, or, um, God, I'm getting so old, or I'm a wrinkled mess, or whatever they're saying, or life is terrible, my goodness, that little tidbit will just ruin your day. Those things will erode your confidence. I like to think of the nursery school teacher who, you know, if you had a nursery school teacher that you came in, she was like, Mark, oh, what a handsome young boy. I saw that you did such good schoolwork yesterday. It's great (laughs) to see you, right? You'd stand up. Traitor, you'd smile. Your confidence would be built. But if you had a nurse school teacher, she glared at you when you came in. She was like, "Oh, my goodness, God, you're a pain." You know, yeah. God, just go sit. <laughs> um, right, your confidence would be withered. But now, as we're adults, like you said, we're not. We're out on our own. We have to be our own teachers. We have to be our own um, encouragers, our own cheerleaders. So it's a very specific thing how we talk to ourselves. So we have to encourage ourselves and seek the validation from ourselves, but do it in a specific way by recounting the things we're proud of, remembering things during the day where you felt like you were in the zone or you had your swagger, remembering those things and reminding yourself of those things, as opposed to you know, like you did a thousand things yesterday and that one thing you did that was kinda of dumb. Right? Yeah. Do you think about that one a hundred times? That's not helpful.
0: No. No, but they do yeah. they do tend to stick. And then Ooh, you know <laughs> yeah. in the public sphere, we have examples of people though who seem obsessed with validation and with accolades and with drawing attention to themselves. And mm-hmm. that's the other end of that extreme, right? I mean there's a point where lauding yourself for being perceived as a success could become toxic.
5: I agree. Looking for validation outside of yourself. Um, I dare to say that they're constantly comparing themselves as well. And, you know, one thing about our confidence, and I think it can relate. Bear with me, Mark. We'll see if I can bring it back. But one thing about our confidence is it, it's built on us feeling like we belong. So if you feel like you belong in your family, that sense of belonging gives you a sense of security. If you felt like you belonged in your school or maybe your church organization or temple and you have that security, your confidence is higher. I wonder, and this is how it's coming back to like people who are in social media or try to, you know, express how um, successful they are all the time. Right. So If they don't have that internal security, that internal sense of belonging, they may be trying to bolster their confidence through these outside accolades. We know that what we tell ourselves affect our confidence. Makes sense, right? If you're telling yourself that you're an idiot, maybe your shoulders are going to slouch, your eyes are going to dull, and it's going to show on your body. But it's the same thing. Our bodies tell our minds how to feel. So if you stand in a Wonder Woman pose, I like to call it, you know, with your legs apart and your hands on your hips and your chest out, you know, it's called power posing. Right. And there's research, um, I guess it was the Association for Psychological Science. They did a study on the effects of power posing, or they published a study. That's more correct. And what they found was that if someone stands... In this power pose for just two minutes, it changes not only how they feel about themselves, but it actually changes them. So their cortisol is lowered and then their testosterone is raised. And testosterone is our assertive hormone or kind of our confidence hormone, right? By standing in that confidence pose, doing it on purpose, you can literally change your body chemistry. So it's one thing I love about exercises or exercising as well. You know, so often we're in our heads thinking we have to use our our brains and our thinking to build our confidence, but we can actually use our bodies to do it too. And simply, like I said, standing for two minutes in a Wonder Woman pose can do it, can be more confident.
0: I'll have to dust off my tiara.
5: Superman. You can do Superman pose, too.
0: If you knew me better, you would know that using a superhero analogy is a perfect way to talk to me. So that was very accurate. Okay. What is a good way to give confidence to others? How can adult Mm -hmm. friends and partners bolster one another in a positive way?
5: The most primary is be present with them. So when you're with a person, put down your phone. It's a simple one. Put down the phone. Take a breath. listen to what they have to say, pause before you're going to jump in either with a suggestion or, or even a question, just pause, you know, giving them space. So I think that's one way. Another way, I'm a big fan of asking, like, what can I do to help? What can I do to make you feel better? Because I don't know if I'm necessarily the best encourager. So I like to ask what they would like from me.
0: What are some parting words of advice that you would give to our listeners about making it through these changes and coming out better than you were when you entered them? How do we surf these waves?
5: I think the biggest thing is, you said it, um, focusing and coming out better. So having that focus, having that intention, my intention is to surf this with ease, uh, surf this with confidence. (laughs) and come out better on the other end. What does that mean for everyone? It, it's probably different. For some people, it may be that, you know, they've had this nagging inner feeling that they need to start moving their bodies more. How about now? Now is a good time to move your body. The same with having the nagging feeling, I'm on social media too much. How about turning it off? Now's a good time to turn it off. Then just remembering that every little thing that you do towards that end, towards that growth of yourself or, you know, sort of coming out on top, like you said, everything you do builds your bank account in that area. So just moving and having the focus there.
0: And that is something that I really took away from our last conversation, Susan, is that um, I find anxiety and fear and bad emotions to be paralyzing. And your advice was just move. Just just get up off the couch and move, because as long as you're on that couch, you're going to be under that weight
5: and change your state in different ways. Sometimes I come home, my daughter, she heard the music is so loud, but she's just jumping around and you know, she's probably singing and who knows what she's doing, but she's really just moving her body and and getting herself in an excited, fun state.
0: Psychologist Susan Miner talked with me from her home in Florida. She is the author of Peace Inside, Beauty Outside. Thank you for listening to Arizona Spotlight. The show originates from the AZPM Radio Studios. AZPM's interim news director is Duncan Moon. The music is by Calexico. The production engineer is Jim Blackwood. I'm producer and host Mark McLemore.